But what, man, what an, what an awesome morning. I want us to, to pick up, uh, sort of, and somebody asked me this morning, coming in, oh, if I wasn't here last week, is this a continuation? I said, don't worry, you're going to be just fine because it's sort of a continuation on what we started last week on Lord Teach Us to Pray. But it's, it's, I'm going to do a quick review, number one. And number two, it's okay if you weren't here last week. Patrick started several weeks ago on spiritual disciplines. And he talked about fasting for a week. And then he went into prayer. And, and I was asked just to kind of continue on that, that prayer theme. As we're also, as a church, groups together with, I think, about 300 other churches right now, praying for people all over our community and our city and the city of Nashville and all around. And I was actually talking to Dean this morning and he said there was another church that, that asked if we had some of those prayer packets left over and he had a few left over that he was able to, to give out. And so all the prayer packets have been taken. And, and I think it's just so cool that we're participating in that together, not only as a church body, but with several other churches working together on that endeavor. But last week we looked at where one of the disciples came to Jesus and he said, Lord, teach us to pray. And real quick review, Jesus gave him four or five quick, easy things to pray for, said, when you pray, pray like this, and that was it. The lesson was over. It wasn't an all-day thing. It wasn't a week-long getaway on how to pray. It was just, it was real quick and simple. And then Jesus, we looked last week at Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus again said, when you pray, keep it short. Don't just babble on and on and on. And so if you're coming in here this morning going, man, prayer, I struggle on that one. Man, prayer, I don't have two hours in the morning to pray. You're, you're, you're in good company with me. And, and so I love what, what we looked at last week, but I want to start off in a little different direction this week. And we're going to go all the way back to creation. And then we're going to quickly, and you have to pay attention because it's going to happen real quick, but we're going to sort of summarize the Bible. And that, that song we just, just sang, that beautiful song we just sang about lead me to your heart, God. I want us to look at God's heart for just a minute. I just want to talk about the heart of the God that we serve. Because if you go all the way back to the garden, all the way back to creation, God from the very beginning wanted a relationship with his people. He walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He wanted a relationship with them. And so God wants a relationship in the garden, and, and that kind of got messed up. And so fast forward to the book of Leviticus. And if you're reading the book of Leviticus this morning when you got up, then you're right <laughs> But, uh, but probably you weren't, and I, I typically don't either. But, but the, the book of Leviticus, God is giving sort of his rules in order to be in a relationship with his people. He's saying, hey, here are some things that we need to do. This is what I need you to do so that we can have a relationship. It wasn't rules just, hey, I just want to make you do stuff. It was, I want you to do this. And look at what he says. He says, I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. And I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. And so we still see God wanting a relationship with us. And you move on, and the Israelites failed time and time again at having that relationship. And what they actually learned to do is they learned to follow all the laws and keep the laws and make the sacrifices and do all the things, but they had no interest in a relationship with God at certain points. That doesn't mean all of them felt that way, but there were, there were some of them that felt that way. And so, so here's what, so God sent prophets and God said, I want a relationship. These laws were put here so we could have a relationship. So look what he says through the prophet Micah. He sends Micah and Micah says this. He says, he has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord desire? What does the Lord require of you? 
What does God want you to do? What does he demand you to do? What does he expect you to do? And it's not a long list of things. It's this, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's it. And that word walk there, to me, that, that means I want to be with you. I want to journey together. That word means we're going somewhere. And so God is saying, I want a relationship with you, my people. I just, that's what I require is I want us to have a relationship. And so the law didn't achieve that. And so God sent his son. And I'm going to go to a verse that most of you will be very familiar with. But the verse I really want us to look at, we're going to look at John 3, 16. And if you're like me, sometimes you hear a verse that you're familiar with and you kind of go, okay, been there and done that and know that. But we're going to look at verse 17, the verse after the verse that we know is the one I want us to look at this morning. So John 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But listen to what he says next. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I love this verse because John 3.16 can be about me. Sure, God sent his son, but he sent his son and so that I can believe. I'll believe in him. I, it's, it's about me making a decision to believe. This verse is about God. God sent Jesus. Now, he didn't say, I, I'm sick of these people. Let's get rid of these people. These people can't figure this out. They've had several chances condemn them, get rid of them. No, he sent his son to save us. He sent his son, he said, I want you to go make those people in such a way that I can have a relationship with them because I want so desperately to have a relationship with these people that I've made, and that's us. And so I love that God sends his son. He didn't, he didn't save us. It says he, he sent the world to save us. He didn't save us so he could send us away to some isolated place and we'd be left alone. He saved us so we could be in relationship with God. We talked about that earlier. Tommy and Wiki talked about that, about coming to the table, about having a meal together, about being in relationship. God wants to be connected to us. And I think prayer, I kind of did that. That was, uh, that was a really quick summary of the Bible right there. I, <laughs> I'm done with the, so that was from Genesis all the way to, to, to the Gospels there. And I believe the, one of the ways we have that relationship with God is through prayer. He wants us to have a relationship with him through prayer. And what is prayer, what does that look like? Uh, you know, he, he listens, God listens and he cares. He, he may not always intervene exactly how we want him to, right? He doesn't always for me, and I'm gonna talk a little bit later about the, the, sometimes the way that my prayers are versus we're gonna look at a prayer of Paul and we're gonna talk about the difference. But, but right now, I, I just wanna talk about for a minute, because maybe you're at a place where you're going, man, I, I, well, you can talk to me about prayer till you're blue in the face, but man, I'm praying and God's not listening. I am praying and God's not doing anything. I have been praying and God has not shown up yet for me and I am getting tired of it. And I don't know if God is listening and I don't know where he is right now. And I've, I've been there too. And I want to tell you a story just to, to and, and this is a, because God is there and he is listening. He just, right now, maybe for you, maybe he's not intervening. Maybe he's not showing up exactly the way you want him to. But I want to tell you a story and I'm certainly I'm, I'm not God, I'm nowhere close to that, but God has given, I think all of us, a little bit of an area to sort of rule over, right? He's given us things to watch out for. He, he talks about the parable of the talents, where he's given us little things and he wants us to do our best with, with what we're surrounded by. And so, so a little story, I remember when my, my sister, who's actually here this morning, so I'm kind of talking, this is not going to be awkward, but I'm talking about her, and I, oh yeah, she's going to be there, and she's going to hear me tell the story about her. But, but my sister, 
is, is about four and a half years younger than me, something like that. And so, so I went to college, and I graduated from college, and when I finished college, she left to, to begin college. And she, instead of going to college somewhere nearby, she left Nashville and went to college at Oklahoma Christian University in Oklahoma City. And so I was excited for her, but also she was going to be 10 hours away. And, and that was a little bit nerve-wracking, and I had sort of self-appointed myself as, as one of her guardians because our, when, when we were young, we lost our mother, and so we didn't have as, as much parental influence in our life as many of you had, but I've, I've learned as I've gotten older, that's not such a unique story. Lots of us have a similar story, maybe losing a parent at an early age, but I remember thinking, I've got to watch over her while she's away, and prayer was a huge part of that, and that's not the, what this story is about, but man... Some of you right now, some of you guys have, have kids away in college or maybe they've grown up and they've moved away and I can imagine how much you pray for them. And I remember praying for her constantly and I remember enjoying getting in my truck and, and going to visit her. Uh, my, my wife will tell you, my family will tell you, I need about this much reason to, to do a road trip and I'm in my truck and I'm gone. And so, so I would go see her and we'd have a good time. And, and then the other thing that we would do a lot is we would talk on the phone, right? And, and this guy's over here, this was before you could send text messages. There, were no, there was no texting. Can you, I mean, you guys are like, what do you mean? But that was a thing. And so we would talk on the phone. And I don't know how often we talked. We talked fairly regularly on the phone. And I remember one time we were talking on the phone and she was telling me about a, pro- a professor that she felt like was being unfair with her. This I'm pretty sure it was a male. This guy was being, was treating her unfairly. And so you know what I, what I was ready to do, right? I mean, this is my little sister we're talking about. So I'm thinking, I mean, I'm going to get in my truck and I'm going to drive to Oklahoma and I'm going to have a meeting with this professor and I'm going to fix this problem and we're going to take care of it. It's it's not going to be a thing, right? I'm going to, I'm going to step in here. But that's not what I did. I guess some, somehow there's a little bit of wisdom that kept my young self from doing that. So I remember we, t- we had that conversation, I'm just being treated unfairly. And I listened to her and, and I agreed, I think you're right, it sounds like you're being treated unfairly. And I know we talked about it again on a later occasion and, and she still felt like she was being treated unfairly. And I still wanted to go and to fix the situation because I, I mean, I'm a, I am a fixer like a lot of us in this room. If you, you don't want to come talk about how to fix something, you know, let, let's figure it out. And, and then we talked about it again, and I brought it up and said, how's that going? And it was still sort of the same. And as I was sort of preparing for this lesson, I thought, you know what? Man, that was a long time ago, and I don't remember now how that situation turned out. I never intervened. I never did anything to try to remedy that situation. I do know that my sister went on to graduate from nursing school. She became a nurse. She is still a nurse. She's a good nurse. And so the story turned out pretty well. And I think she would probably tell you she knew at that point that we still had a relationship just because I didn't straighten this professor out, that I still loved her just because I didn't straighten that professor out, that we could still communicate and talk with each other. And so I think sometimes when we're asking God to show up and do something for us, he's probably on the other end saying, you know what, you're going to understand this at some point. You're going to look back and you'll see why I didn't show up and intervene. You'll see, you'll you'll get it. Or maybe you'll completely forget about it. Maybe there have probably been times where I've been begging God to do something and later I'm on to the next thing. And so, um, so we have a God that has the power to show up. He has the power to intervene, but he doesn't always do exactly what we want him to, exactly when we want him to. That doesn't mean he's not there. That doesn't mean he's not listening. But prayer is a way we can communicate. We can talk with him. We can ask him for things. We can certainly do that. 
And then sometimes God does show up in amazing and incredible ways. And <laughs> we're reminded, wow, man, he's incredible. That relationship we have through prayer. So I want to talk about one of Paul's prayers that we're going to see in Ephesians chapter 3, where he prays for the church in Ephesus. And I want to talk for a few minutes about how Paul prays for spiritual matters in this prayer. Just pay attention to what he prays for. And we're going to go back and sort of break it down after we read this prayer because Paul gets pretty deep and he loses me pretty quick sometimes. But, but listen to what Paul prays for here for the church in Ephesus. In chapter 3, verse 14 of Ephesians, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And there's that word family. There's that that idea that God wants a relationship with us. And that idea is everywhere. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I'm going to read just a little bit more, and then we'll go back and talk about this prayer. But he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever." And ever, amen. You see, if I was going to write a prayer to a church, I don't know that it would start like that. I, in fact, I know it wouldn't sound like that. It might say, man, I hope that things are going well, and I hope that your church is experiencing growth, and I hope that you're getting ready to build a big, nice new building, and I hope that your economy, where your church in the, in the town where you're located is booming, and I hope you're doing well for yourselves there and achieving success and Paul didn't say any of that stuff. Paul didn't say any of that. Let's look at what he did say. Paul's prayer to the Ephesians, he prays that they will, number one, have power through the Spirit. That power that he wants them to have is power to grasp the love of Christ. He wants them to grasp this love, and then not only to grasp it, but to know this love that surpasses knowledge. And if I would have thought about it sooner, I would change out that word know for experience. He wants them to experience this love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It's something that, you know, you start to think about it and, and you, you, sometimes we can't figure it out. It's something that, that's more than just head knowledge. It's something we feel in our hearts. It's something we experience. It's something we experience when we get together here. And he wants them to be filled with all the fullness of God. This is, this is my way of trying to break it down and make it a little easier for me to understand because Paul is so eloquent in the way that he writes, in the way that he prays. But basically, Paul is saying this. He is praying that they will have a relationship with God. If you ask me, well, what what is that prayer even about? Paul wants them to have a relationship with God. Plain and simple. That's it. That's his prayer for the church at Ephesus. And I would say that would be his prayer for us if he were to to write us as well, to have a relationship. I want to tell you for just a minute about my prayer life, about how it's different from Paul's, and about how I was recently sort of convicted about that. 
how I think, man, maybe my, my prayer life needs to sound a little more like Paul's. You see, I was praying, it's, it's been about a month ago, it was around, sometime around New Year, sometime around January 1st, it could have been a couple days after, a couple days before, but I was, I was saying sort of my morning prayers and, and my, just a few minutes that I try to pray in the morning, and man, I started just going down my list of things that I want, right? Man, God, if you could give me this, and God, I could use that, and God, if you could do this here, and, and I, I, I was in that moment, I was convicted, you know, I'm sort of treating God like Santa Claus. I am acting like a seven-year-old on Santa's lap telling him what I want for Christmas, and that's not how this is supposed to work. And so I, stop, I just stopped. I just stopped right there, and I, I had to just kind of say, you know what, God, you know what I need. <laughs> and so if I need the things I've just asked for, then, then please provide them, but if not, please take them away and help me, help me just to trust in you. So I, I was telling a couple of my, uh, my buddies about this, and uh, and, and one of them, I've got a buddy who's a theologian named Eric. I'm calling you out, Eric. But uh, he would tell you he's a, he, he does construction, but he's, he's a theologian. And so we're talking about this. I'm saying, man, guys, I'm saying, listen to what happened to me the other day. I, I'm treating God like Santa Claus. I'm just telling him what I want. And that's not, that's not how it's supposed to be. And he says this. He says, you know, think about this for just a minute. He says, think about if we came home at the end of the day and they, they, these talking to a couple guys, we're all dads, and we, we talk about our families, and, and try to, we're, we're meeting together to try to be the men that God has called us to be, and I know there's a lot of men's groups, and, and women's groups too, for that matter. This, is, this place is filled with people who are striving to have a relationship with God. Honestly, I kind of got, got through this and thought, why am I talking to people about how they need a relationship with God when they're already all trying to have a relationship with God, but but that's what we're talking about. And so we're talking about how to do that. And he says, think about if we got home at the end of the day and sat down for a meal and all our kids wanted to do was ask us for stuff. What if they said, dad, here's a list of all the things I want. And I first of all said, well, sometimes, sometimes that kind of happens. Sometimes it sort of goes like that, doesn't it, when they're young. Um, and, and it's precious and we enjoy it. And we kindly say, well, we're not going to get all that stuff. But he said, man, that would just drive us crazy. We would go, there's no way we're getting all that stuff. We're not doing all that. But we, yet we turn around and do the same thing God. He said, you know what I want when I get home at the, at the end of the day? I want to sit down to eat with my family. And I just want to hear what they've been up to. I just want to hear how their day was. And I mean, my, as he's saying this, I'm just going, wow. Because I knew what he was saying. And we all kind of at the same, this light bulb went off, man. We have a God that just wants to know what we're up to. He just wants to hear how our day went. He just wants to be involved, right? Is that, not just, I mean, that's the, that's the most simple thing, but that just blows my mind that the creator of all of this wants to know us. Man, that's so powerful. That is so incredible to me. So sometimes he doesn't, intervene. Sometimes he doesn't give us exactly what we want, exactly when we want it. And I think that's on purpose. I think he hears us. I think he knows the request is there. I think he could intervene if he wanted to, but sometimes he knows. He can see a little further down the road than we can. We talked about that last week. We have a father who knows what we need, but at the end of the day, he just wants a relationship with us. I was a was talking to somebody else who goes here. We were talking about a guy who was going through a really hard time and kind of shared his story. And, and I was actually talking to Gary, and Gary said, man, this guy, 
you know, I can't imagine going through what he went through. And as the guy shared the story, he said, you know what, though? God has given me what I need to get through this. Sometimes he may not intervene and fix the situation, but isn't it neat how he gives us what we need to get through a difficult time and a difficult place? He kind of leads us through that. Isn't that powerful? So we have a God who wants a relationship with us, who wants to know what's going on, and who, while he may not intervene, gives us what we need to get us through what we're going through. I want to share one more verse with you. I'm going to ask Mark and his crew to come on up. I want to close with this verse, which is actually a verse, I think it's so cool, that Wiki shared with us a little while ago during the Lord's Supper. But Revelation chapter 3, and, and I, I don't have time to unpack this whole thing, but, but John has this vision, and Jesus is talking to him, and he says, I want you to write these letters to these churches. And the church at Laodicea, he tells them some things that they've done wrong, and it sounds a little bit like they have gotten too focused on physical things and forgotten some spiritual things. And after he sort of corrects him on some things, he says this. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He's saying, hey, I want to have a meal with you. You think about how much of a relationship you can build when you have a meal with somebody. You think you can go to sit down to eat with a complete stranger and by the end of that meal, you can know so much about that person and feel like you've connected with them. And then think about having meal after meal after meal. Think about having just a little meal with Jesus every day. Just a little bit of prayer time to develop that relationship. And he is knocking at the door. He wants to know all of us that way. So.